Kristen Stewart poses in a jockless jockstrap, a California Senate candidate wants a $50 minimum wage, and police officers in Peru orchestrated a major drug bust dressed as teddy bears. We are more than halfway through February, and it's time for my Losers of the Week. So there was once a time in America where simply being gay made you special and different, but not anymore. This is now the U.S. of gay, and being homosexual is as vanilla as McDonald's soft serve. And it turns out some in the Rainbow Mafia are pretty annoyed by that. So much so that they have to go out of their way to out-gay the gayness and make a spectacle. People like Kristen Stewart, for example. Yes, Bella from Twilight is still pale, but that is where the similarities end. She came out as gay back in 2017, and she is really worried you've forgotten. So here she is on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine, posing with her hand down her jockless strap. This was no accident, obviously, because she told the outlet that it was her goal to, quote, to do the gayest effing thing you've ever seen in your life. But wait, there's more, more vulgarity where that came from. She went on to say, quote, if I could grow a little mustache, if I could grow an effing happy trail and unbutton my pants, I would. Stewart added, quote, Guys, I'm sorry, but their effing pubes are shoved in my face constantly, and I'm like, um, bring it in. She also explained how being queer has not derailed her career. Well, duh, no duh, Kristen, no duh. I'm sh not sure there are any straight people left in Hollywood anymore, to be honest. But speaking of California, there's about to be no businesses left in that state either, at least if Senate candidate Barbara Lee gets her way. You're calling for a $50 an hour federal minimum wage. That's seven times the current national minimum wage of $7.25 an hour. Can you explain how that would be economically sustainable for small businesses? You have 60 seconds. In the Bay Area, uh, I believe it was the United Way, came out with a report that uh, very recently, $127,000 for a family of four is just barely enough to get by. Another survey very recently, $104,000 for a family of one, barely enough to get by. Low income because of the affordability crisis. And so just do the math. Yeah, Democrats really do not get the way money works. They honestly think just passing out more money will solve the problem because they are entirely unaware that's actually what causes inflation in the first freaking place. It's also likely why they are so gung-ho to send your money to Ukraine. Why not, right? We can just print more. Think things are rough now? We'll wait until Governor Gavin Newsom is in the White House for four years. The reckoning is coming and it's not going to be pretty. But since we are on the theme of actions and consequences, allow me to turn you to the feel-good video of the week. Authorities in Peru had a very festive way of cornering their suspects in this epic drug bust. Take a look. ¿Cómo están, Gonzalo, Maricel? Muy buenas tardes. Miren, por favor, esta sorpresa que le ha traído este osito cariñosito a estas dos mujeres con sus globitos. ¿Qué habrá en esta caja? ¿Chocolates? ¿Rosas por San Valentín? No, son años de cárcel y un par de grilletes. Así es como la Policía Nacional con el Grupo Terna han capturado a dos mujeres el día de ayer por vender droga. Estamos con el... Law and order. I love to see it. But teddy bears had the quite a promo this week. If you're a kid, a kid at heart, or a parent, you've probably visited the popular Build-A-Bear workshop to create your very own customized teddy bear. 
Well, hang on to your stuffing because the brand has decided to go sexy. Just in time for Valentine's Day, the store has released a collection of sexy and suggestive after dark teddy bears. Options include a monkey dressed as a male stripper and a teddy bear wearing a Playboy inspired robe. There's also an entire gift set titled You Turn Me On. The company says the After Dark collection is for those 18 and up and isn't targeted at kids. Well, maybe not yet, but just wait until Pride Month rolls around. Yippee, I can't wait. Those are my losers of the week. But moving on now to some other, perhaps more important news. The impending mysterious national security threat House Intel Chairman Mike Turner enlightened us to yesterday. The threat he is referring to apparently has something to do with Russian nuclear capability in space, which could threaten international satellites. And while that is certainly a threat and certainly a concern, the biggest space I'm worried about is the space between sections of the border wall wherein millions of illegals have passed on through. Here now to assess all the threats from the border to Russia to even hippos, we'll get to that one later, is Fox News national correspondent Griff Jenkins. Griff, I'm jealous of you because you get to do all the fun things. So how and where the heck are you today? What's up, Tommy? I'm in Acuma, California. It's like, say, 60 miles east of San Diego. And the reason why I came here is because this is ground zero for Chinese migrants. You and I have been on uh, the Big Weekend show and other shows talking, uh, outnumbered, talking about, you know, the border crisis. And while the flow is not the 3,000 we saw in places like Eagle Pass in Texas, because Texas Governor Greg Abbott's really shut that part of the border down and Mexico's helping, the flow moved west. But the flow out here has so many Chinese that it really has, behind closed doors, off camera, the border officials deeply concerned, perhaps more so than they've ever been, about national security. Tommy, we're going to put on the air Today, I just shot in the last hour or so. I, I got a hold of uh, word there was a group of migrants. I went down there. There was a, a group of 260, 270, 90 plus percent were Chinese. The majority of those were single adult males. I asked one of them, he spoke a little English. I said, Where do you want to go in the US? I said, LA. I said, Why did you come? He said, and this is a quote, take the money. I said, Take the money. You want a job? He's like, Yes, job. And it's really telling, you know, that this uh, 20-something single male is coming for economic reasons from wherever in China. But the, the worst case scenario is that he has ties to the Chinese Communist Party or, or uh, another sort of threat to us. And so we're trying to put a spotlight on what's happening out here in San Diego. The San Diego sector is ground zero right now. They have two, 150, 200 Chinese migrants every single day. They've had... Of the 20,000 Chinese migrants that have come across the entire southwest border this fiscal year since October began, 90% of those are here in this sector, and they're trying to get it under control. So, Griff, I've been to that sector in California. I actually used to live in, in both San Diego and L.A., and a lot of that area of the border does have the fencing, even in some cases double fencing. So where these Chinese are coming through, are they slipping through somewhere? Are they being welcomed in? How are they getting in in such high numbers? Yeah, that, that, that's such a great point, Tommy, and I'm glad because you actually have been here and you understand it. It's a very different terrain than Texas where it's flat and it's a river. It's harder to manage because we're standing right now at an elevation of 4,000, and the mountains are everywhere that meet the areas where they can put the fence. But where border barrier, in this case, where you're looking at this shot where we were 
doing our live chats yesterday and today, I've been to that actual gap. That's where the border barrier meets the rugged terrain of Acumba, California in the mountains. And so there is no way to seal off that tiny little gap and the cartels find these little gaps, particularly in between the mountains, and they exploit it. And they're exploiting it to extreme degrees when they now know that all they got to do is get these migrants to walk through and they're going to get processed and ultimately mostly released. What's interesting to me is you've been to the border many more times than me and for many more years than me, but I remember going to the border during the Trump administration and when we were able to get footage of illegals coming through, they were sneaking, they were wearing camouflage head to toe even in 100 degree temperatures, they were wearing carpet booties so they didn't leave footprints, they were really trying to go undetected, but all the footage we've seen from you, from Bill Malusian, from our Fox cameras, pretty much looks like a lot of these people just wearing your everyday clothes, kind of just walking through. They don't seem to be too scared of talking to you or being on camera. Do you get the sense that they're kind of unashamed of what they're doing and this is pretty typical behavior for them? You, you're very observant. And by the way, this is a true story. I'm not making this up. Back during the Trump years, and I was following those caravans. I was at the border just as much. Obviously, it was far less of a crisis than it is now. But I remember being... In one place, I believe it was actually Texas. I don't think it was California. Maybe it was Arizona, actually. And and I showed up, and I'm thinking, hey, I'm Griff Jenkins. I'm the border guy. They're going to give me everything uh, I need and, and immediately show me all the good stuff. The first words out of the little station chief said, why didn't you send Tommy? I was like, hey, look, I, I, I'm not nearly as, as good looking or as pleasant, but just show me the darn migrants. I digress. Well, your point you're bringing up is so important because – the ones in camouflage and the ones we go out with text DPS and capture in case, in some cases I've filmed them, uh, tackling them, uh, DPS officers, tackling the, the runners in the camouflage. They want to be gotaways. They want to evade and they want to do that because more than likely they've got a criminal record or a nefarious intent to be in the U S the ones that are giving themselves up, as you know, they're called the give ups. In this case, we are seeing them in the group of Chinese. I just shot less than an hour ago. They look like, they are perfectly clean, not a spot of dirt on them. And the reason why, Tommy, is because they paid all the way back at the starting point in China, some cartel, which has now become basically a travel agency of the highest order, to fly straight into Tijuana. Then they're given their instructions of the vehicle they get into. Most likely they flew in on a long flight, spent a night at a hotel or an Airbnb that's run by the by the cartels. Then they were driven straight to the break in the wall, in this case here in Hakumba, and walked right through. And so it's very, very different, but you can see it how just uh, lucrative of a business this is for the Chinese because the cartels have gone from taking Central Americans and people from South America that just wanted to pay to make the rugged trek uh, through, through Mexico and get across. They're literally picking up at point A in China, taking them all the way to point Z, which, as we all know, is the United States. Now, that said, there are still a lot of Chinese making their way through the Darien Gap and making the long journey. And they, of course, look as rough as the others. But it's a very different when you look at those migrants, you look at videos, you can tell a lot by what you're seeing. The really rugged ones that have maybe made that long trek, giving themselves up. But the ones that are really clean, that paid top price, $20,000 to get the cartel travel service, or in the case, as you mentioned, we're in camo getting tackled by border agents because they wanted to evade authorities. 
Griff, I think that's part of it that's so frustrating for me when certain people, mostly on the left, try to say that a lot of these people are coming over here because they have nothing, they are refugees, they are asylum seekers, and then you hear that they're paying 5, 10, 15, 20,000, maybe even more to the cartels and criminal organizations and then coming into our country and being taken care of. Uh, I'm sorry, that really bothers me because these people maybe saved up for a very long time, but they're paying somebody. And for those that are not paying somebody, what have you heard, Griff, about those that are coming over and then they now owe a debt to cartels or criminal organizations and they're plopped somewhere in the U.S. and they got to work off their debt? Have any of the folks you've talked to, have they told you about that at all? Absolutely. And not only that, when I was down in McAllen, Texas, in the in the RGV uh, a few months ago, back at the end of, of 2023, you know, we had gone and captured, uh, I was in a high, so we put it on Fox, you may have seen it, a high-speed chase with smugglers, and uh, they crashed into an embankment, everybody got out and ran, and we captured them. And I talked to one guy, and he was from Guatemala, and he said, uh, tell me your story. He said, okay. He said, I paid $2,000 to get across, to get smuggled to, to the border in, in uh, Mission, Texas, to get across. And when I crossed at four in the morning, the smuggler took a cell phone picture and he sent that to the cartel boss and that I'm now to pay the uh, other 2000 So the total price is 4000 2000 on the front, 2000 on the back. And the reason why they can collect is you have to give them your family member in the U.S. you're coming to see. I said, so how's that going to work? He said, well, you caught me, so I'm going to get deported and sent back because I'm from Guatemala, which is Northern Triangle. U.S. has uh, repatriation agreements. He'll likely actually get deported, uh, he believed, and, and that's likely the case. That tracks with, with what we're actually doing. The people that actually are getting sent back are the ones that have been come traditionally from Central America. And he said, but they've got the cell phone of my sister, so they're going to call her, send the photo, and say, he's here, you pay now. So my sister's going to pay, but I'm never going to make it. Wow. What a business. Next thing I want to ask you about is Border Patrol. So back when I was able to go um, down to the border, I was actually with Border Patrol the, all the times that I went, except for the last time when I went under the Biden administration, the early days of the Biden administration. Border Patrol really wasn't able to talk to me. They weren't able to engage with me on the record, on camera. I know you've been down there many times. Is Border Patrol able to show you the sights and the sounds, or do you think things have changed uh, from the Trump administration when Border Patrol was much more willing to talk to media, willing and able to talk to media? Yeah, boy, that has been a big part of me, Malusian, and others that, you know, kind of regularly do rotations to the border. And, you know, the administration, it was a very different change from the Trump administration. Let those guys talk, men and women talk. And, and you know, we're very transparent about it. This administration literally tries to hide it, tries to shut it down. And they won't let any of these agents talk. It's very rare that you get to talk to a chief or any of that. You can't talk to any of the agents when they're processing the migrants. And they actually... Yesterday, I was filming, and they said, don't talk to the migrants. They're in our custody. And it's very strict rules. And it's frustrating because I've argued with uh, the Border Patrol's bosses at DHS to run the media, uh, the Office of Public Affairs, and said, listen, I understand there's certain things you're worried about, certain things, but just, you know, give us someone to talk about the successes. You know, you put out a tweet uh, saying you caught 10 gang members this week. That's a success for you. Let me talk to that sector chief, 
tell me how you did it. Tell me about the challenges you got. Tell me about the resources you need. It helps get your message out. That's what the Office of Public Affairs for any government agency should do is we just try to work with the media to get messages out. And I've even gone so far, Tommy, is to say, listen, I understand you don't want them to be interviewed by me. You don't trust me or, or any other interviewer. So let me just put my cameraman on the rescue boat. When you go out on the river and rescue migrants and save lives, there's no like greater heroic service that our border patrol agents are doing other than securing the border than to save lives when it becomes that kind of humanitarian tragic situation. And yet they still don't do that either. So access is very, very difficult. And the only way I've been able to do it and shoot these migrants today is every now and then, you know, the agents will want to sort of help you know that, that this is what's happening. We want the American people to see what's happening. So I get a tip, maybe it's in this area and I try and find it myself. You know, the longer I'm in a uh, one area, I learn where the cartels have chosen to move bodies. And a lot of times it's a game of sitting and waiting and you hope it pays off. Yeah, big difference. I know you got to go, you got a busy day, but the last thing I do want to ask you about um, is your Fox Nation Hippo special, because I found this very intriguing. Once again, you get to do all the fun things. I want to I want to play the trailer real quick so people can get some background. And then I want to ask you about that real quick before I got to let you go. Let's play the trailer. It's a little after nine o'clock and we found a group four or five hippos here. We're keeping a little bit of distance. You can hear them. We've learned that's a warning sign. They know I'm here. We don't like it. The locals say every night, right in this location, the hippos cross the room. Griff, I know you're fearless, <laughs> but that right there looks dangerous. You're just jealous, right? I have the fastest time. I have the best job in Fox. I can't tell them, though, because then they won't pay me. But, you know, the, the story that's really come to light, and it was a New York Times article uh, the November of last year that said, uh, by the way, Columbia's moved to uh, uh, begin sterilizing a, a national program to sterilize 40 hippos a year because they are now the most invasive species. Now, what in the heck are we talking about? Short story is this. Pablo Escobar, the drug lord, when he died in 1993, had an entire lavish personal zoo. Lions, tigers, zebras, giraffes. Why? Because he's a drug lord. That's what billionaire drug lords do. They have ostentatious stuff. And he had four hippos. When they were rounding up all the animals to donate to South American zoos, the hippos were very aggressive. People were getting hurt. And so the officials said, screw them. They'll die off. No, they loved it. The officials in Colombia told me it's hippo heaven. But now that they've got a hippo time bomb, because the four turned into dozens, turned into hundreds. Now they have no idea they could have a thousand or more. And these are the most dangerous land mammal on the planet. They weigh three tons, they can run 30 miles an hour, and they have a really, really bad short temper. And so when we were getting closer, you know, they would, uh, a couple of times they ran, they didn't uh, get it to where we were really fearing for our lives, although our handlers were very worried that I was getting too close. My wife, by the way, made fun of me because I said, we're getting very close. You can see this one's agitated. So we're just going to get a little closer and get a better look for you. My wife was like, what kind of, Wildlife journalists are you when you tell everyone this is dangerous and then you get closer. So I guess I got the uh, the bravery DNA, but not the intelligence DNA.
Well, I love it. And I know that about you because you're always pushing the limits and we always appreciate it. Uh, I always love working with you from the comfort of the studio in New York City, though it is kind of like a jungle outside those walls. Griff, thank you for coming on, telling us everything that's going on. And I hope to see you really soon. Be safe out there. Hey, Tommy, I can't wait to see you back in New York or wherever else we meet. And by the way, I'm just trying to live up to the title of this great show and be fearless. You are fearless. And please tell them that I would like to go back to the border sometime. Um, I know you got a lot of pull down there, so I'd love to go with you and Bill one of these days. Please think of me. Done deal. We'll get you down here. <laughs> you need to see it, and every American in the country needs to see it if they haven't already. I always know when I go to the border that I blend in really well, too, which is always an asset <laughs> for everybody. Thank you so much, Griff. Be safe out there. Bye. All right. Well, that does it for me, folks. Be sure to catch me tonight on Hannity on Fox News and this weekend at 7 p.m. Eastern on the Big Weekend Show, also on Fox News from Nashville. God bless and take care.